0: a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. My name is Dylan Murphy, and with me always is my friend John Gillan, all the
1: way from beautiful Colorado. That's, that's right. It's beautiful, sunny, and snowy all at the same time. Colorado probably doesn't snow, snow in Hanoi, does it? No, it doesn't. Um, r- yesterday, it was a beautiful, I want to say, uh
0: 35 degree day and today the air is as thick as soup with all the pollution and the roosters are con so uh, yeah only yeah, but, yeah.
1: Uh, those
0: little bastards have been waking me up at all hours but i'm only here for another week so uh yeah it's been a i have to to hawk my my four dollar guitar before i leave yeah well you me. had a
1: you had a gig recently right oh john i'll tell you
0: about my gig oh so, do tell me about your gig so, who would have thought that um, a four dollar electro acoustic guitar would not sound good when it's plugged in? Um, just uh, I, shocker. The sound man, uh he was—it's funny. Like it, it, for the for the venue I was playing in, he's the soundman, but he's also the booker, and he's also the co-owner of the venue. So he does everything. Yeah. Uh, he did. He did not like my guitar, and I did not like it either because it's not sound good. But you know, I I I'm not going to invest in a guitar that I'm only going to have for you know a few uh, few months here, and I couldn't find anyone to borrow off. So that's it. Um, gig went fine. Very rusty, kind of shaken off the rust a little bit. Uh, it was enjoyable. But the the weirdest part was that the girl who was headlining, I think her name was Hien H I E N. Okay, let me get this right. She was a Berkeley trained half Hungarian, half Vietnamese um, synth pop artist who had uh, a MacBook and um, you know a sample pad and a little uh, you know the the Boss double pedal red looper. Right. And it was like amazing, like just so good. But it was it wasn't you know there was nothing groundbreaking. Her talent was through the roof but she was very like she knew she was great and very confident and she stuck no diggity in the middle of a song which hasn't been cool since 2014 <laughs> uh, so you know i i've I, I i enjoyed it but i wanted to make a joke had i known who she was or what she did i would have made a joke about it. looks like i'm not the only half vietnamese half hungarian female synth pop artist on the bill tonight. But <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was it was grand. I uh, I have books uh, gigs booked, books gigs for Ireland uh, for coming back. Um, oh great! The start of April, the start of May. So yeah, um, keep an eye out for that. Uh, so yeah, let's move on. But this is a very special episode for us because we've got our first. It's not so much a sponsor, but um, a, a a pick guitar pick manufacturer got in touch with us and asked us if we'd like to review his things, his picks. So John, you got a hold of them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this is the manufacturer, his name is Bobby Paul from Forever Picks. And he's he's got really kind of a cool concept here because what he's doing is he's taking exotic woods. <clears throat> okay. All legally sourced. Let's put that out there too. <laughs> <laughs> um and but they're they're really, really great picks because they're they are the actual exotic woods so instead of just kind of a blanket hey it's a rosewood when actually it might be a pau ferro or something like that he's very um very adamant that this is this is actually the real deal here so this is it was it was a pretty cool experience to kind of talk about some of these things and one of the other things he does is he's kind of reaching back and the whole idea is that it used to be when you had an instrument built for instance like a lute you'd get some plectrums made out of the same wood that your instrument was made out of. And the idea is that kind of the wood is all going to resonate and and do things together. Now, I will say when they arrived, I was like, Oh, okay. And they're, they're a little bit different to get used to. They're Mm. they're not going to stick in your hand like a a Tortex pick or something like that. Yeah. Which is, I typically use jazz threes. So he sent it on some regular size picks and some jazz size picks. And they're really shaped like the Jazz 3s, but because it's wood, it has a different attack. It's going to wear differently on the strings. And so I I really didn't know what to expect. The grip was totally different, and that threw me off at first. But you really get used to it. It feels really natural in your hand just because it's it's wood, right? Mm. And what was interesting was I noticed an immediate difference in tone and right really yeah it was it was really surprising actually because i, I wasn't sure it was going to be that big of a deal but i played the same lick same attack whole thing and was just was blown away at the difference in tone it really it really pulls out more of the mids and the highs in your attack and okay. particularly compared to jazz 3 so right. roughly the same thickness of a pick but at the same time because of the wood and each wood has a slightly different thing. So I got a pow pharaoh from him and ebony and a purple heart. And I found the purple heart one to be extremely bright. And I don't know if that was just me, but that was, that was kind of my impression with it. I was doing some recording with some friends in Southern Colorado this weekend and let them try it out as well. And one of them like loved the purple heart pick. So I let him have it. But it was uh, it, it was a fascinating thing, because just strumming it strumming has a different feel to it, yeah, as opposed to picking. And so individual notes or single line picking is I felt like I noticed more of a difference when it came to that. So I would say for solos and that sort of thing, it it really stands out. I kind oh. of found myself gravitating more towards the ebony picks just because I liked the tone a little bit better. I felt like it was a little bit more rounded than say the Pauferro or the Purple Heart, but I can see, I can see applications for all of them. And again, a fascinating concept. It's something that, you know, they're, they're really durable. They're made out of wood, but they, they sort of shape as you play them. Because that wood's gonna wear against the string, yeah. depending upon your attack. So anyway, that's that's my initial analysis. Throw it all out there for you, but you have some questions on it, maybe, or some.
0: Yeah, I'm just so I'm just wondering, like wood. I've never played it with a wood pick, and i I like to pay. play like skinnier picks, like the yellow tortexes. Um, I find that they're for me. I mean, I do like the jazz three when it comes to certain things, but. Like strumming because I play a lot of acoustic and strumming is you know strumming an acoustic with a jazz three is a bit of a a lot of resistance, um so I'm just wondering like with the wood would there be how how thin can
1: the picks go? Uh, you know, that's not something that he really specified, but I would guess relatively thin. These yeah. kind of somewhere in that range of you know a millimeter plus and then even okay you i i'd say one of them was probably in the neighborhood of about like a 0.73 like a thick medium okay that's that's what i'm looking for yeah but it's they're they're pretty rigid i would say that um, yeah he, he says he he makes them from two to five layers of wood and that way they right. don't break you know so yeah all, of course they're all glued together and then shaped accordingly it's it's kind of a very ambitious undertaking to
0: design picks like this because it would require a lot of research and a lot of trial and error when you're making you know something like a guitar pick out of something as, I don't uh, uh, exotic and kind of temperamental as wood. I think with plastic you'd have a lot more control, of, right? Like, you know, the, 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 in in making the the actual material, but wood is it's kind of cool. It's kind of really there's it's it's going back to you know wood on wood action.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a very, um, how how would I say it? It's, it's very, it, it feels alive, I think, in your hands, which is really interesting. So it's the, just depending upon where you put your fingers and how you attack the strings, it really changes things up, I think, in the mm. way it sounds, the way you play a little bit. Your attacks are going to be a little bit different, but it's it's alive. I mean, it's a piece of wood. It's cool. a living thing, you know? And so it, that's, that's kind of the cool thing about it. So as I've played with them over the last week and a couple of them just, you know, the edges have changed, beveled a little bit more depending upon my, my picking technique. And it, just, it definitely creates a different sound, you know? So yeah, it, it's a fascinating that's... thing. So definitely recommend them, check them out. Um, again, it's uh, Forever Picks. We'll link to their Facebook page. They've got a store on Reverb as well and we'll link that in the show notes definitely check them out definitely Sweet. yeah i'm yeah it, and thank you bobby for sending us your picks that's
0: really really cool if anybody else has anything you'd like us to uh to to discuss on the pod we'd be more than happy to we are a, a growing podcast growing every week with a, a beautiful really physically attractive listenership so uh <laughs> so uh yeah send us your send us your stuff i'm gonna we'll be happy to uh once i'm back in ireland hopefully it'll be easier to. Uh, ship it ship it good so uh john it is your lick of the <laughs> it is your uh lick of the week i believe uh, yes so... it is not devo i'm sorry oh god we've been through this uh more devo are we not men? so i'm going to have a listen. uh i caught a little sneak peek of it um and i thought that i had accidentally put it later at you know double speed double speed <laughs> setting so, uh, hope, hopefully, that is not the case. I, I will listen to it now from start to finish. Three, two, one. OK, OK, I have a few questions before I, I try and guess. Um, who is it? No, I'm joking. Uh, is it two guitar players or is it just one? Ooh, it is just one. OK, right, because the first, the opening passage, was I think was panned a little bit to the right and then the second was panned to the left. So, ooh, uh, see, once again, I'm going back to the snare sound. I'm like, you know, what? what decade is it from the snare sound? But I can't really hell oh. yeah that that that's a tricky one and there's a lot of splash symbols so i thought oh it's mike portnoy <laughs> but uh it is it mike portnoy it is mike is portnoy. this oh so it's dream theater not quite so Oh, okay right so it's Ooh, is, is it mike patrici it is is it who is it mike patrici john patrici sorry uh yes yes it is okay yes, so it's nice. not Dream Theater, but it is John Petrucci and Mike Portnoy. Yes, uh, liquid tension experiment. <laughs> Did you ever think I would get that? No, um, I like that. That was that was that was really really cool. And um, can you tell me more about uh, what what is it?
1: So it's funny that you said Dream Theater because essentially it became most of Dream Theater. <laughs> so I'm so proud that I got that. By the way, yeah, that I got the drummer, Mike Portnoy, John Petrucci. And Jordan Rudis, who became okay. after after this, he came into the band as their keyboard player for a time. So mm-hmm. yeah. And then wow. and then Tony Levin was the bass player. So, it was, so what, what what year was this? This came out in ninety seven. Yeah. Uh okay. it came out in ninety eight, it was recorded in ninety-seven. And okay. yeah, it was it was kind of a side project. Jordan Rudis, I think, had been doing some stuff with Tony Levin. They'd kind of known each other. Obviously, John Petrucci and Mike Portnoy working together. So they, everyone kind of got together, did a crazy thing, and the Liquid Tension Experiment was, was that. And they had two albums. There was one follow-up that was called the Liquid Trio Experiment, where essentially Jordan Rudis' keyboard broke, and <laughs> yeah, like mid-show. This That's it, it, how I like my keyboards, John. Broken. Sorry. <laughs> just just smashed. But he was playing... Um, it, anyway, he was, he was playing in every fourth note. So C, for example, it would play a C and a C sharp. And oh, then, God, that sounds awful. Really like G and G sharp. And then so every fourth note above that. And yeah, and... Completely befuddled. He spent 20 minutes in the middle of the concert on the phone with Roland Japan trying to figure out what the heck was going on. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. But instead, they jammed out. And eventually, what happened is he got, he was fed up with it. So he picked up one of Petrucci's guitars, started jamming. And Tony Levin was playing the Chapman stick at the time, which he's really well known for. And at that point, John Petrucci jumped on the bass and Mark or Mike Portnoy started playing, I think the other guitar and at, and then, yeah, uh, who, there was someone who filled in on drums. Oh, it was your man from Anthrax. What's his name? Oh, Charlie um, Bonante. Yeah, that's it. Um, and I'm not even sure if he was like just in the audience or backstage or what, but he jumped in and yeah, <laughs> it was like, so anyway, yeah, there you all... go. Hi- history, history lesson for you
0: there. There you go. All of it, all of it. All, all of it, th- right there. So, John, t- t- tell me. We went for the. Uh, so it's pe- time for pedal talk. Time. time. for pedal talk. Uh, so last time we did the axe effects, and you, we, we talked about the pros, the cons, the how you have to be an engineer to uh, basically make it work with its tiny um display that's from a personal organizer from 1996. You know, <laughs> one yeah, and yeah. um, so it's like, I don't know, I'm, I'm a, you might be a bit too old for this, but um, when I was a kid and Pokemon came out, it came out with this, this little Pokedex box yeah, that you can use. To, I remember this. And, and I'm just thinking the display on the Axe FX kind of reminds me of that little Pokedex.
1: Yes, <laughs> with, I would say slightly less resolution. <laughs> yes. We're running out of bits here, so uh, so John, we're going to talk a little bit about the
0: the Kemper today. Now, I know I've 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 given it a, a very uh, very brief gooks, and I, I I understand a little bit what it does. But essentially, it's it's an amp or an amp head.
1: Yes. Now, it's similar to the Axe Effects in that you can you can buy it essentially unpowered, if that makes. Okay. Sense. the the Kemper okay. the way they talk about it is a Profiler, not an amp modeller. So the idea, and we talked about it last time with the Axe Effects, is that you can copy any sound you hear, and it'll do that out of you know you just you run your signal through it. So I shouldn't say automatically yeah. but it'll just figure it out, and then you tweak it. What's different with the Kemper is they have figured out how to essentially take an amp, and then you mic it up, and they figure it. it It mimics everything, including your volume, your gain, all of that. So if you take, just say, an AC-30 and you Mm -hmm. put a clean channel and you mic it up, you run it through the Kemper, the Kemper is going to store that. Now it's already got an AC-30 loaded on it, but for the sake of argument. Now what you can do with it is you can tweak the gain on it just like you would tweak the gain on the AC-30. So the, the, the difference, according to Kemper anyway, is that this is actually supposed to be the same thing as tweaking the amp versus, OK, we have a sound on the Axe Effects, and what we're doing is we're tweaking the gain on the sound versus essentially a whole algorithm reducing the AC30 into an algorithm that you can still modify as if it were right there in the room. Wow, OK. Yeah. So it's so, yeah, the, the the idea behind profiling is that it captures everything about it as opposed to just kind of that sound at that moment. Wow, god, that's well, what a time to be alive, John. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, that they, so, so it's a profile does not only capture the amp itself but every aspect of the cabinet and microphone configuration as well. The result that's is insane living vivid and dynamic as the original amps goodness so, gracious yeah and then of course it comes with a whole bunch of stuff already loaded into it if you're looking for that fender champ amp sound from 1957 hey it's there and it's completely tweakable you know it's crazy that's that's insane. so so
0: what is the big distinguishing thing between the axe effects and this the big why would you pick uh, this over
1: I, I, there, there's a couple of things. Kemper also has a powered amp which the Axea Yeah, I'm just looking at that name. So the powered amp is a little more expensive. You can find a used one for about 2000 new I think they're about 24 22 something like that. The non-powered head goes for about 16 so it's similar to the Axe effects in that respect. I think the, the care that they put into modeling the amps, I think, makes the big difference with this. Wow, okay. As well as the microphones and, and all that other stuff. Uh, to me, from what I've heard, it sounds much more authentic. There's several guys on GI, Guitarist Ireland, you know, the group that we're a part of, that use the Kemper. Um, there's, there's a lot of people in other groups, particularly the prog metal groups and things that I'm a part of that prefer the axe effects. But I think the Kemper. Nerd. Yeah, exactly. Um, just wait till you hear what I've been listening to this week. So, okay. <laughs> it was yes last week. Um, but the, I, I think that that is one advantage the Kemper has. The other thing is some of their effects, which I think are super cool the delay in particular, which is just, it's mind-boggling. What they say is, on the Kemper, you will not find a dedicated reverse delay, tape delay, or ducking delay. Instead, we have equipped every single delay type with most of these features. And why not have a dual reverse delay, or a serial delay with analog tape character, or a melody delay with ducking? All of these are possible with the profiler. So it has I just said about forty percent of the words in that that paragraph that you just said. Yeah. <laughs> in other words, they don't have one sort of dedicated delay, but okay, you can layer any kind of delay over it. the The possibilities are simply endless on it, which is just amazing. It's and kind of a bit intimidating. On top of that, though, what I like about the I, I like the interface because the interface is really easy to understand and tweak. The display is not necessarily the greatest, but hey, there's a knob, and it tells you exactly what that knob is, and you turn the knob just like you would turn it on an amp. Instead of having to scroll through, you have... Four. Cool. Okay. I like that. that sounds yeah. good. So, so for me, like right now, I'm kind of leaning towards... If I had to purchase one of these, right now, I'm kind of leaning towards the Kemper. But yeah. we haven't talked about the Line 6 Helix yet either, so... Maybe we'll next week, perhaps. Maybe um, next week. Next Tune week.
0: in! Yeah. Yeah, same ax time. Same, well, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> same ax podcast. Uh, so cool. All right. I'm actually, I yeah, from from having a look through this, I I think I I prefer it a bit more to the to the ax effects, just the sound of it all. Um, Jim Little has our guest today, our our, our handsome special guest. Uh, he has a few videos on using the Kemper as well. He seems to be a fan. So, yeah. Yeah. Should we use that as our so? you're you're you have this if you
1: were to go out and buy it today you'd pick it over the XFX. i think i would um for some of the reasons that jim little kind of outlines too it's super handy in the studio um it's great on the road all those things not that the axe effects you know obviously jim west and everybody else alive is apparently a huge fan of the axe effects because it's great on the road but yeah. a lot of those people also have monkeys that can program it for them. So There you go. Pro- programmer monkeys. A thousand mm. monkeys at a thousand X effects. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: <Shakespeare>. <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. Um, Shakespeare Shredden. So oh, I suppose that's a fitting segue as any to, to move it into our guest. So, John, I think I introduced you to Jim Little. Is that correct? That is correct. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not meaning that as a brag, but. We got this because of me. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I first discovered Jim Little, and I think we talked a little bit about this um, when I was doing my diploma in music. And I was like, oh, I, t- I think I typed in "making money out of music" into a Google and uh, one of his videos came up, which is basically how to make it as a as a musician. He basically breaks it down, and if you do, you know, two gigs, you know, a week for whatever like a hundred to two hundred dollars, and then you teach during the rest of the week, that's basically the same as like a ninety five job yeah, give or take yeah. so that's uh so that was like, okay, cool, And what else does this guy have? And he has uh so many different um just videos on a country guitar, which you know I have a real soft spot for I'm not a big country music fan, but I just love the color and the tone, and the he describes it as being really fun. So I think that's a that's a big thing as well. So important in music because you know, especially when you listen to prog metal, lose a little (laughs) bit of lose a little bit of the fun there, John.
1: Oh, do you?
2: uh
0: I I I I do. I don't know about you. So, um, without further ado, uh, we'll discuss after this is uh, our interview with YouTube sensation, Nashville touring, all around great guy, Jim Lim. Like it.
1: (laughs) Okay, we are now officially recording.
0: We are officially awesome. recording. We are here with Jim Little, uh, YouTube guitar sensation. Sorry, I don't say that all the time. Um, <laughs> yes, one of, one of my personal favorite uh, YouTube guitar instructors and one of the, I don't know, creators of the Stepping Stones to help me learn more about country guitar. Uh, i very happy to have you here, Jim. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. So, Jim, for people that don't know you and who you are and what you do, could you shed some light on that for our,
2: for our loyal listeners? Yeah, sure. Uh, so, my name is Jim. I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and I came here because I wanted to play country music, and I ended up playing country music, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> and uh, and then while I went through college, I made friends with a bunch of people who were also, like, touring musicians Uh, and that's how I got my first touring job is one of my friends who was like three years older than me, played for a guy who needed a rhythm guitar player. And so that's how I first got out on the road. And I started to see that there's all these road guys from age 20 to 50. And a lot of them don't have much to show for the, however long they've spent touring, except for like a couple cell phone videos, an audience member took and posted to YouTube. And so I was like, well, I want to make sure that I have something tangible. So that's why I started making videos. And now most people know me for making videos. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry. Is there is there any video in particular that you saw got you a uh, bunch of traction?
2: Um, Particular video. Well, in the very, very beginning of this whole journey, I was shooting on an iPhone and uh <laughs> making... When I look back at it now, what is objectively garbage, but there was some good info. <laughs> so... Uh, I think the people, there were a few people who could like find the info amongst all of the like, you know, other kind of warts and stuff that these videos had. But uh, on the guitar subreddit, so for, I don't know how young your listenership is, but I find that for a lot of young people, uh, they know what Reddit is and a lot of older people kind of don't, but there's a site called Reddit that's like a big community Mm. of people and there's different pockets of this website that. You know, you can talk about, like, the NFL and the NFL subreddit or NASCAR and the NASCAR subreddit. There's a guitar subreddit. Uh, and on the guitar subreddit, there's this big post one day about, like, and the title of it was, how do you, how the hell do you bend strings like this? And the post was all about Jerry Donahue. It was linking to a video of Jerry Donahue playing guitar. And Jerry Donahue, for anyone who doesn't know, was a part of the Helicasters. He's this country guitar guy who, like, He plays with like really light gauge strings and can bend like four strings at a time with three fingers it's really great uh and the video specifically showed this one part where he bent like he did this crazy thing where he bent three strings with two fingers and i looked at it and i was like i actually know how to do that like i've been studying country guitar for long enough i actually kind of know how to do that trick so i uploaded a video Posted it to that subreddit saying this is how the hell you bend like that and kind of showed how to do it And so that was the first video I ever did that got like a thousand views or something Oh wow And then that was gratifying enough for me to like <laughs> kind of keep going with it
1: Persistence That's, so that's how great did
2: you, How
1: did you get into the education side of things? Was that something you'd been kind of doing on the side you mentioned like <laughs> like a college job essentially? <laughs>
2: Oh man, no, nothing, nothing even close to it. I still don't think of myself as like an educator in <laughs> any way, uh, just because I never. I taught a couple guitar lessons in like high school to a middle schooler, and that was really it. But throughout all of college, uh, I went to college at Belmont University, which is in Nashville, oh. Tennessee. Yep. Um, and I started out as a guitar major. And then switched over to audio engineering when i found out that a music major is like not the thing that was cool for me but for a lot of people it's great uh, but i kept hanging out with guitar majors and stuff and we all shared tricks with each other like there were people who were really good at jazz and they showed me a couple different jazz chords and I, you know a couple rock people and they showed me how to like tap and stuff and uh and my thing was country and chicken picking and brad paisley and that kind of style so i showed people how to do that and uh, and so when I started making videos, it was just like, I've had 100 people ask me, how do you do that? Like twangy thing. And so I made a couple of videos so that when people asked me, like I could just say, well, I have this video that's going to explain it better than I can right, right now. now. You know, there's tab and stuff. So I started doing it that way. And I, so I guess that's like the start of me being a, and I use this term very, very loosely, but like, I guess educator of some kind, mm-hmm. uh, But the whole premise behind the channel, there's a lot of guitar teachers on the internet out there. Um, Like, I wouldn't have gotten into this if I wanted to be a guitar teacher because justinguitar.com won. They won the battle. Like, (laughs) they have all this crazy stuff for free, uh, and he just has that, like, covered. So my whole thing this entire time was not, like, like if I want to have the most views on all of YouTube, then I would just have a video called like the only three chords you need to know and show people how to play G, C, and D, and then like a bunch <laughs> of people are like oh, crap, man, this is awesome! Uh, you blew my mind because this is my first day I've owned a guitar, so I, I kind of stayed away from that and made it more like I'm on the like when I was making these, starting making these videos, I was like scrambling for gigs, so I was on the road with like a new group of people every week, and I was learning like forty songs a week and uh and so i figured i would take that and be like okay what are some things from having to do all this stuff that i can teach that like maybe maybe justin from justin guitar can't because he has like a way different background like what can i use from my own experiences to kind of make these videos a little bit more unique and maybe contribute something that hasn't already been contributed so that's that's kind of where i came from and that's where like you know i did a video on slide guitar that got a little bit of traction on like different forums and got shared around and uh and 45 ways to mend a guitar string was like one of my first like bigger sort of videos um the first one of yours that i saw
0: was uh about basically being a professional musician and kind of yeah. how your time and money is is kind of you know how it's, it kind of equates essentially to a 40-hour week and i don't know i just kind of came away with this feeling like Yeah, no, he's right. You know, it's just I don't know this. This (laughs) I don't know. uh, Maybe I'm not wasting my life endorphins. You know,
1: Um, Dylan came (laughs) onto you through that video. Actually, he was like, "You need to," because we had a a similar conversation. Like, you know, that being being a professional musician, there's so many different aspects of it, and you did that really well. And and that was that was a great great way to think about your life and your career instead of just, I, I think the idea of a professional musician is frequently very pigeonholed. Um, and, and for people outside of the industry, definitely think like, well, if you're not Justin Timberlake, then clearly you're not, <laughs> you're not making a living at it, you know? Yeah. It's,
2: it's, uh, well, you have to be a little bit creative. I mean, that's, that sounds so dumb to say because music, you know, duh, it's a creative field. Of course you have to be creative, but uh, you have to be creative in ways beyond just like uh, what chord should come next or like what note should I use. You have to be creative in ways like, uh, like how can I, what what can I do when I'm not playing a show to keep my music career kind of trending upwards or you know, yeah, earn extra money here or there or to get better at my thing. Like, because because when it comes to musicians, like a lot of people uh, only see you when you are facing the public like on stage or uh, on a TV show or on a radio show or when your songs being played on radio or, or stuff kind of like that but uh, that amounts to a very small percentage of a musician's actual life and uh nobody nobody shows up side stage at the Bruno's at the Bruno Mars concert and then like walks out onto it and starts playing guitar like a lot of stuff has to happen first uh, yeah hookers some blow guitar for, for like Bruno Mars <laughs> or whoever else
0: uh, yeah, that's that's yeah, exactly. It's this it's this whole other, I don't know, angle to it. which are just talking there. You mentioned something about you know getting better in, in your field. Um, we're very big here on routines and practicing and kind of how certain players do this. Um, what would you have a much of a routine, Jim, or would you have like a, I don't know, stuff that you like? Kind of do you have goal setting or anything in that in that kind of line of when it comes to practice?
2: Yeah. um, Well, when it comes to uh, a routine, I don't have a routine. I've only had a routine once in my entire life. And it was a good thing. It was like very good that I kind of set this up uh, for that time. But I've found that routines, um, they're good. Like theoretically, routines for me, at least, I'm not pushing this on anyone else. But just what I've noticed in my own behaviors is uh, routine lets me learn a lot of stuff very fast. Hmm. Uh, also, it makes me want to stop having a routine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can say cause that here you because know, it's like uh, I don't know. I'm uh, I am a musician i am someone who's wanted to be a performer at you know since a very young age and so like that doesn't always match up with the kind of guy who wants to wake up at 7 a.m and like and then stretch you know eat breakfast go for a jog have a very regimented day like and also when you're on the road um you wake up at different times each day you go to bed at different times each day you're not sure when you're going to get food you know thursday versus saturday or what so it's like kind of time-wise it's all shaky and so as far i don't have a thing where it's like i sit down and I'm like okay well the first five minutes i sit down are going to be this and then the next five minutes are going to be this i've never done that but what i have done is made sure that i'm continuously doing something that contributes to my musicianship it's not always guitar uh i play a lot of different instruments and guitar is the best one so usually other instruments get a little bit more work because cool. like you know i'm trying to i can be a good electric guitar player and i feel like if someone calls me up and says hey i want you to play electric guitar uh i've put in a ton of hours on that and so i can for sure do that but if someone calls me up and says hey i want you to play dobro uh then i'll feel a little bit less sure handed about it so i want to you know i spend more time practicing that stuff and as far as my actual practice goes it's mostly transcription based uh cool. I've, I've found that like Practicing technique is really, really, really necessary uh, when you're starting out, excuse me, when you're starting out on any instrument, like on pedal steel or something, when I started out, I spent a lot of time and I still spend time doing this, just doing picking exercises, like just figuring out how in the world to grapple with this instrument in a way that makes like ergonomic sense and on guitar, you're going to have to do that, too, if you're starting out. Like, you're going to have to spend time just doing G chords into D chords and then back and forth. Uh, but once you get past a certain point where you kind of have an understanding of the instrument, you can play your scales, you can play your chords and stuff, then you got to get into transcription. It's like, I'm sure there's other ways to do this, but me and all of my friends who've who've gotten, like, you know, decent enough at guitar to be able to get hired for it, uh, we got there because we learned all the songs that we like. And so we can take all the tricks from those songs we like and apply them to any of the songs we play.
1: Yeah. That sounds great. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's such a good piece of advice. Um, there's, there's so many things I think that go into transcription. So it's something like I've been doing more of myself, but also trying to get my students to do more of, um, but there's, there's the ear training aspect to it as well. And then the technical aspect. So yeah, you mentioned exercises it seems to me just like when you're doing that you're also working on the technical side of things like
2: oh 100 yeah yeah and, and, I, and i would say it's even it's there's a sort of like activation of energy barrier kind of thing to transcription because when you first pick up a guitar if you want to learn cliffs of dover uh you don't have the tools necessary to learn cliffs of dover sure uh, like to even start on it because if you don't know what a g chord is then uh, it's not going to make any sense to you to do a G arpeggio or whatever. Right. But, uh, but once you have those things kind of down, then transcription is actually like kind of better than scales because we all, when we listen to something and try to play it back subconsciously, like in our brains, our goal is to sound like the thing that we're listening to, sound like the thing we're trying to sound like, mimicry. Uh, and so our hands get used to doing these little, tiny, micro-sized, like... Uh, compensations to sound like that thing regardless of what guitar you have, what amp you have, whatever like I have uh, I, I've always played a telly through like a Vox style amp. I have a cool. friend who until he got to Nashville played an Ibanez RG series through a Lime Pod Pro. <laughs> wow.
1: That was all he had.
2: Is, an Ibanez is, is RG your RG friend series 13? Pod pro. We both learned Brent Mason Hot Wired at the same time and we both sounded like kind of the same because the differences were uh we both learned it and were mimicking brent mason Mm -hmm. so when i did it i was on a telly through a vox amp and so i was doing things like you know plucking the strings and everything and, and obviously he's playing this on an ibanez rg series and so what he was doing was like picking closer to the bridge to make his not twangy guitar sound more twangy. He was plucking a little bit harder because his guitar didn't actually have like the natural snap in it. Right. Uh, and likewise, when I was a freshman in school, i to learned this Jimmy Herring song. And one of my friends was also learning it at the same time. And he plays like a Paul Reed Smith through a Mesa amp, uh, you know, like super smooth tones. He, he played a Wampler Euphoria a lot at the time. I think he still does uh for for a pedal and then i was like mr mr twangy chicken pants over here and, and i had this like twangy tally through a twangy amp and so i played up closer to the neck pickup and i picked a little bit softer and it like kind of smoothed over everything and and when we did the siglick i know we basically sounded the same so i think the, the transition how to like absorb the sort of habits of the actual music you wanna sound like. Cause if you just say do a scale, like you're gonna sound different from everyone else, which is like fine, it's good. But uh, if you wanna learn how to sound like what you consider is good music, then transcription lets you do that. And you don't have to like buy gear or anything. You just like will naturally find a spot on the guitar to hit the string to sound like Jimi Hendrix or Steve Vai or Jack Johnson or you know, whatever your influence is yeah i found that before as well one of the big
0: i don't know things that you keep on trying to get into the the, the mind of your viewers is that you, you don't need a pedal you don't need like a special like guitar you you can just you can i don't know, you can sit down it's just you and the guitar and no distractions you know that's a big thing you try to re-emphasize yeah definitely really like um there was one thing I wanted to talk to you about there. Oh just just to basically uh, so you know being the country chicken pants guy. Um for people that you know are quite dismissive about I know country music, I I love country guitar. I'm I'm you know slowly uncovering mostly through the the guitars that guitars that you mentioned like all the stuff to be found in it. But what is it about a country guitar that you particularly enjoy?
2: Um country guitar is more fun than any other style of guitar uh when you play it like it's um because it has a lot of the sort of athletic activity to it that like shredder guitar has like you're you can crank out a lot of notes in country music uh and that's very gratifying once you get there but also you get to dig in harder like uh, almost like blues playing because mm-hmm. in, in like shredder styles of guitar and like Paul Gilbert guitar or something, he's playing with like such crazy amounts of touch and accuracy that if he like digs into a string, then it makes everything sound kind of inconsistent. So yeah. everything has to be like very similarly picked, like so that it's all even cause it's so rapid fire machine gun kind of stuff. Uh, and in country guitar you can dig in you can pick really hard you can bend strings like crazy amounts and you can come up with weird double stops and uh and so when you play the guitar you can play kind of angry and and sort of make the guitar and the amp sort of fight you back and so that's like really fun uh and if you have the chance firsthand to like be able to coax those sounds out of your guitar I think that a lot of people who can do that sort of understand like Oh, oh, yeah, this is the stuff. When you're able to, like, sort of abuse your guitar a little bit and get these sweet sounds coming out of them, like, that's pretty awesome. Like, that's kind of like what Jimi Hendrix did with, with his guitar back in the day is, is, like, bending the strings and digging in and making these sounds. It's such a it's such a fun thing to do as a guitar player. And then as far as the whole why do I listen to country music, why, why did I get there in the first place listening to Mud on the Tires before ever knowing that he played guitar in there? Uh, that's because I grew up in, in a town in the middle of nowhere and my family didn't really like country music all that much. Like my mom and my dad didn't listen to modern country radio or anything. But when I was like 12, I think 11 or 12, um, I, one of my friends like showed me a song or something. and I was like, Oh, that's, that's kind of cool. I like, I like how this sounds. It was like the first stylistic decision I ever made, like consciously, outside of just like Nickelodeon had a commercial for it, you know. So <laughs> I, outside of that, it was one of the first things where it just hit me, like I like the way that this sounds—the uh, textures yeah. of mandolins and banjos and twangy guitars and stuff—combined uh, with the how polished it was in the mid, you know, early mid two thousands versus like the old Hank Williams stuff that just sounds like grandpa music right <laughs> um, since then i've grown like a huge appreciation for hank williams johnny cash all that stuff but you know as a kid so i needed like i needed pop rocks i didn't need broccoli i, I wanted just like stuff that was you know really sugary and, and polished and so that's what that's what modern country music gave me It's textures I, textures that i liked with the amount of commercial polish for me to be able to digest as a completely passive consumer uh Brand. So since then, that's what I've made my goal is to is to be someone who can kind of create stuff that that has those things texture that I really enjoy and enjoy listening to, and also commercial enough for people to to like it and and like me. So uh, Very cool. I want to I want to scratch that itch, you know. I, people people talk about country music like being you know sellouts one way or another like there's this big kind of split between like the Sturgill Simpson Jason Isbell side of things and like the Florida Georgia line Taylor Swift kind of side of things and like uh, it's the only thing that I like value things on basically is does it or does it not kind of you know sound good yeah Yeah, there's a lot of things that just don't sound good like 75% of all songs are terrible, you know, like, uh, because because there's so much much out there. There's so, there's so much music and even awesome artists take a swing and miss every now and then. So Mm -hmm. like when you, when you give the worst examples of something, it's not like, you know, showing the music at at its, you know, at its best. And I think country music kind of gets a bad rap because people associate it with, uh, with like you know your, your with your like uncle from Iowa that you don't really like but shows up on Christmas listening to Luke Bryan and uh, <laughs> to the season yeah so so like because of that I think it gets kind of it has connotations of like unintelligence or backward thinking or or like religion if you're not into religion or you know drinking if you're not into drinking and it has all those things in it but uh, just from the musician standpoint just as a guy who like more identifies with the you know like musician side of things uh as a guy that plays guitar like incredible musicianship goes into a lot of country music uh like i always try to think of it like uh like if you don't like country music try to make it it's hard it is not easy to make <laughs> yeah it's not easy to make, like, you can say, like, Taylor Swift sucks. Uh, try to make a Taylor Swift song. It's hard.
0: <laughs> it, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's the difficulty lies in its simplicity, I suppose.
2: Yeah, because the way it's made here, I mean, we, Nashville has such incredible musicians. It elevates your game. If you move here and you hang out with other people who are musicians here, it, like, you gotta step up. It's, it's pretty crazy. Like, Uh, because it's sort of going away from this now but the way that it was for like a long time was these session musicians were just like musical snipers like they would just play they would come up with the perfect part and play it perfectly in one take those people still exist but they're a little bit expensive and since no one's buying music the you know budgets aren't there to hire all these people all the time so like for demos and stuff, now we're getting more of the LA style thing, where it's a guy in a laptop and a little like MIDI keyboard, and so he like programs in the parts because it's cheaper Ugh. to hire one guy at slave labor than like a bunch of seasoned professionals that get paid you know adequately. Um, but Ew. those guys like the, their musicianship is on a lot of records and still is on a lot of really big records, and so that kind of elevates you when you when you listen to that.
0: I joined your mailing list and I downloaded your. Uh, illustrated guide to country guitar oh
2: very cool and
0: yeah and i i'm you know I'm, I'm picking my way through it uh but like i love it the first thing you said was know all your trials just know all of them that's just just that's the, <laughs> the first rule and yeah like, oh, yeah
2: fuck, he's that's, right yeah i definitely think that um i definitely think it's it's an important thing just foundationally for you to know i know a lot of people get a lot of people get bummed out by theory it's such an abstract concept that it can be hard to wrap your head around kind of like like when you first learn algebra or something it's it's like it's not very tangible it's not something that you can see because like if you read in a book you know uh teddy roosevelt was the 26th president of the united states or something you're like oh okay cool. teddy roosevelt's the 26th president of the united states Uh, But when you say three X equals nine, so what is X? That's a little bit harder to figure out. And likewise with theory, when it's like, okay, a one chord is a G, unless you're in the key of A and then it's an A and your two minor would be a B minor, but B minor is a three minor in the key of G. Like that's also kind of (laughs) abstract that it's hard to latch on to. And so I think people bail on thinking about triads and thinking about like uh, theory as it applies to actual songs because it's so abstract and 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 weird if anyone's listening and you don't know your triads uh push through and i'm sure there's awesome resources out there that's the greatest thing about about youtube and i'm not even talking about my channel my channel doesn't delve into all of that like super deep but if you google or youtube anything that you want to know uh someone has made a video of it probably that's how I learned how to shoot video. That's how I learned to edit. That's how I learned to set up a website. It was just a bunch of like going into YouTube and being like, What is an SSL certificate? Or, <laughs> you know, like, uh, what's the difference between short and long focal lengths and camera lenses? It's it's a lot of that. And so I, I think like I think at the beginning of the book I said like, learn all your triads, learn all your chords, learn all your pentatonics, something like that. Just because those are things that uh, that have so many resources that are awesome that are widely available that <laughs> that uh that i felt like i'm not gonna add anything by putting like a lot of those in 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 my book and spending a lot of time on that because like i said justin guitar probably has like eight free courses about that where he breaks it down really well foundational and that's can ask yeah, you some yeah, absolutely questions <laughs> ask some more questions some gear questions
1: you you play uh you play a kemper don't you i do yeah Yeah. how do you how do you like it how did you find it and why i'm curious like why did you pick the kemper over the other options that are out there
2: yeah uh i do like the kemper uh I, i think that it is a piece of gear that was made for me and i don't know why anyone else buys it but uh because they only made it for me it seems like Um, but i'm super glad this exists and i think that uh the barrier being to get the most out of it like you kind of have to read a manual uh whereas most guitar amps are not like that and so a lot of people aren't used to that Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of people you don't buy a fender deluxe and then read the manual before using it right so that's that's the difference between the Kemper and that the the way that I came about it though was um I was looking for vocal mics I was looking for like a good condenser mic for like home recording and so I went to Vintage King in Nashville which is like a super high end sort of dealer And they had this brand new thing in there. This is 2014. And they had this new thing I'd never seen before in there called a camper profiling amp. It was one of the white ones, like one of the really early ones. Mm. And they, like, I was just walking by and I was like, well, what's this thing? And they pointed at it and was like, oh, this thing is like, it's like a guitar modeler, but it's not, it's not algorithms. It's not like fractal where it's like a guy in a, you know, a, a programmer codes in a bunch of high passes and low passes to sound kind of like a Vox AC30. It actually, takes like an impulse response of the guitar amp and that's like a big deal. Uh, and so at that time I had downsized my rig to a bunch of like mini size pedals, trying to get like a couple overdrives, a couple modulations and then like a delay and a reverb on a tiny board so that I could like go to these tiny gigs that I was doing and not be a total jerk about stage space. Uh, and so then I saw this and I sold all those pedals and just bought a Kemper. I read the whole manual and bought a Kemper and kind of didn't look back. I was like, this has all the effects I need. It has all the amp kind, kinds that I would ever want. So, uh, it's worked well and it's been like a long journey too, like optimizing it for what I do. I think I've settled on a setup that it does everything that I want. Uh, but also like Kemper doesn't do artist deals. So, uh, so it's not like I'm getting paid to tell anyone this <laughs> like it's an awesome tool if you read the manual
1: very cool so mm-hmm. we do uh we have a question that we ask all our guests and yeah. essentially knowing that you you have this history with pedals that you are a little bit of a pedal nerd <laughs> a little if bit you could choose one pedal what would be
2: your desert island pedal desert island pedal well, you got a guitar you got an amp you got a guitar no uh, I'm assuming like multi-effect kind of things are out of the, out of the equation. Like it would be cheating to choose like an M9 or a Kemper or something like that.
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. All right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so one like stomp box that has one thing. Okay. Um, when I've been asked this before, people are usually surprised. I, it has to be a delay pedal. Like, for John sure. says the same thing. I, I think that a lot of people would choose, like, they would think like, oh, but don't you want a tube screamer or don't you want like a dumbbell pedal or, you know something like that um it has to be delay pedal without delay you you there's no way to not sound annoying playing a guitar solo if you don't have any delay
1: um
2: it's really hard to like not have just a horrible grating sort of like ice pick in the ear kind of sound if you don't have some delay to sort of soften it and give you some space so i think one pedal one desert island pedal uh has to be a delay. If I only have one delay, it has to have tap tempo. Yep. Um, so probably out of pedals that I've owned, I'm, I'm going to say Wampler Faux Tape Echo Ooh, if I have nice. to have just one pedal. Because obviously if I have one pedal, I'm not worried about saving space on my board or anything. <laughs> right. um, you also power on this desert
1: yeah. island. So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know.
2: It would be that and a 9-volt. Um, But... <laughs> Yeah, probably that one well, I know that there's a lot of cool digital like modeling sort of delays out there. Like I think T C Electronic just came out with like a flashback times four or something where yeah, it's like David. the size yeah. of four flashbacks. That's not a pedal I would ever I would ever buy, but if I was on a desert island and I could have one pedal, then give me four delays in one box, <laughs> yeah.
1: <okay>. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, that Serious would never tone. fit on a normal pedal board, but yeah, or like a I think a Strymon Timeline would also be a safe bet. That's like in Nashville oh, yeah. right now. That's like the pedal that everybody has. Yeah, baby. players have this. Uh, guitar players, uh, mandolin player, like everyone has a Strymon and Timeline just because it's such a flexible delay and it's kind of cool. I never got this before coming to Nashville, but people kind of use gear as a fashion accessory. Yeah, uh, sort of, <laughs> which I think is like such a weird use of resources. Um, but yeah, like and timelines are bigger, and and M nines that are modded, and blah blah blah. Like, yeah, people like people like delays. It has to be a delay if I'm if I'm given one thing.
0: Man, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we just one quick opportunity to plug. Um, I'm very intrigued personally on a, on a guitar playing level by your lesson packs on your website. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah you have like a, a brad paisley one and you have a you've won it's basically every, all the theory you need to know which is yeah, very yeah. enticing the,
2: i worked with a marketing guy for a long time over this year uh put to like start up a guitar lesson website and we just disagreed about everything it ended up not happening uh and so when i made this for my own site i was like if people end up on my site then they're just gonna want me to to like teach them what i think is important not what i think is gonna like attract clicks you know so i made all these lessons with the idea in mind of like this is stuff that applies to me every single day like when i'm actually working when i'm actually playing guitar in a you know on a recording or on stage or whatever uh this is the stuff i actually think about so you might notice there's not a course called 50 blues licks. Cause I'm not thinking about 50 blues licks when I'm on stage. I'm thinking about stuff like, uh, how, like what chords are going to work here, what chord forms, uh, if I want to sound like Brad Paisley, what little techniques and mindsets would I use? Or, you know, Brent Mason or whatever. I have a course that I love that is called like, how to learn a song quickly and accurately where I just yeah, pull up really a Blake. Cool. I pull up whatever Blake Shelton's newest single was at that time that I hadn't listened to before. And I listen, Man I, Alive. I listen to it once and I play it and then I listen to it again and then I play it more accurately. And I kind of show you what I'm thinking about how I chart stuff. Cause that's like a big deal. Um, I'm not talking about reading music. I mean, just like what markings do you put on a piece of paper to remember that the bridge is down, you know, that kind of stuff cool so, uh yeah jimlillmusic.com j-i-m-l-i-l-l music.com uh, and check out courses i also have a bunch of free stuff you can download my book for free once i started selling courses i just started giving away the book um
0: the book's great love the book
2: yeah and uh what else
0: Guitar are also like on, on, on instagram.
2: instagram yeah yeah I, I do a thing called guitar like a day it started because um an engineer producer guy who recorded like a bunch of my favorite stuff said that Derek Wells got to be where he is as a session player because for a year he just learned a new trick every single day. And so I started uh, posting a guitar like every single day and still doing that.
0: Man, you're all over it. That's great. Um, Class. Uh, So yeah. Thanks so much, Jim. We'll we'll leave you. What, What plans for the future have you
2: Man, Plans for the Future. Right now, I'm, uh, like I'm recording a, an album with a girl. So that'll be out next year. Uh, and that'll be really fun to, to wrap up. I plan on having original music out. Uh, not sure the timetable on that because uh, I'm still like kind of setting up my, my own workflow. But that'll be out there. And then, uh, yeah, more shows, more sessions. It'll be fun. Good Sweet time.
1: as man, we'll leave you with that. Yeah.
0: Thanks so much for much being with us, Jim.
2: Yeah, thank you guys. Okay,
1: have a good one.
0: So, John, I should probably mention that after, uh, because our I think that interview went so much longer than we thought it would uh, that we actually ran out of time on it. So, uh, <laughs> yes. but, uh, yeah, but the, the thing is, after the interview was finished, he uh, messaged me going, Yo, man, where can I watch The Simpsons online? Because you guys talked about that before. <laughs> like, that was one of the, the big questions he had for me. So, uh, yeah, really, really nice guy. I I really, I highly encourage everyone to subscribe to his channel. He talks about everything. He is a nerd, but he seems like a really down-to-earth
1: nerd. Yes, exactly. And fantastic guitar player. It was, yeah, it was great to talk to him. Great to get that insider perspective, too. Just the, the real working musician, you know? And that's, yeah, and uh, yeah one of the things that I I want our podcast to be able to capture. And I think we've done a a pretty good job so far and he's a great example of that too. Just does everything, you know, teaches, plays, gigs, tours. Yeah. If I, if I I had two recommendations of of personal
0: highlights from his, his highlights reel, uh, one of them is he has a, a PDF. A guide to country guitar, which is really really cool, uh, which is available for free from his website. And then once you download it, he sends you um, a tip for a week. He sends you emails you a tip every day on how to, you know, little ways to improve your guitar playing, which is really really cool. And so yeah, who else uh, walked walked right into that one. And another one is he he talks about the uh, he talks about the he basically goes through like beginners guide, guitarists guide to different instruments. And he breaks down how to actually work a pedal steel, and my mind,
1: my my tiny little brain, could not fathom <sighs> how, how that instrument works. It's, I'm, not, it's, I'm not even I'm not even going to try, man. Just I'm not even. Not but it's try. a it's a really good beginner <laughs> video to to see all the moving parts. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I really his, he's got those those special sessions, how to pr- play like Brett Mason and Brad Paisley. And I definitely would recommend those. Those are great as well as his subscription service, which I yeah. so that that's at least do it for a bit. You can cancel any time. So, yeah, that's it. Uh, so moving on, John, what have you been working on? what have i been working on well i've got several students I'm kind of toning it down this week i've had to woodshed a little bit and learn some james taylor so which more james taylor I, mean, I think you're talking about james taylor before so what what can you take out of of james taylor's guitar playing the his picking patterns are are quite interesting i think in the right hand they're not typically if you were to play something like dust in the wind which i've had Students do before the the thing with dust in the wind is it's just it, the right hand does the same thing the entire time so it's a great it's a great thing to say hey here's an intro to Travis picking which I've always understood as like finger picking to be honest it took me a year to figure out what Travis picking was and it was like oh you mean you just alternate your thumb you know there were yeah. classical, <laughs> classical right. guitarists have been doing that since 1820 and they just called it finger picking so anyway. That's yeah, but, that's me being kind of a classical guitar ass about it, but the uh, the the cool thing James Taylor always has these little like pull offs and hammer on things that he does, and that's that's been the thing that gets most of the students. And so I just just kind of working through country roads and fire and rain. Great chord progressions though too. He really yeah. makes full use of the the key as well as just being able to add. Color tones. He's, he does a great job of that. Beautiful, beautiful songwriter. Beautiful songs. It's fun. It's good. Cool. Thanks to my students for pushing me a little bit in that direction. That's
0: that's great. No, I'm, yeah. I'm going to actually con- continue in a, in a similar vein. I've been learning some uh, Fionn Regan, who is one of my favorite Irish white guys with an acoustic guitar. Um, but what what I've been kind of challenging myself to do is I'm learning his song "Be Good or Be Gone," and he is a um, like a P I M A. You know, uh, all finger style player. Wow. Um, not really, wow. fin- not really finger style, but he he like he he's basically like a he's like James Taylor. He wouldn't use a pick. He just have all these intricate finger picking patterns. But I don't, I don't finger pick. I don't, I don't f with finger picks. Uh, I just, uh, I'm a hybrid guy, and that's kind of how I like to keep it. So I've basically been trying to learn all his elaborate finger picking pieces, but with one finger missing. What? So so it's been, but a lot of it is. It's like Travis. It's like you're keeping the, you know, the 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 bass going the whole time. Yeah. But some of it is like, it's 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 hard. But I'm I'm getting a lot of uh, enjoyment out of it because I've loved his songs for ages, but I've never really sat down and like tried to learn any of them. Deceptively, deceptively hard, but really rewarding when you get it like up to speed because it's one of the first things I've had to actually like you know a singer songwriter song where I've had to actually slow it down and build up the the patterns. Um it's, it's cool yeah. oh man man I'm, also, I'm super impressed holy cow yeah no it's not that i don't think it's that i think it's just uh my i i lost a little bit of my muscles there like over christmas when i wasn't playing as much so yeah it's good to kind of kind of get back on the horse but one thing i actually wanted to pick your brain about what i've been working on is so i've been we, we stated our goals at the start of the year and we wanted to get both get right. better at, at sight reading and I, I just I find' outside reading' I'm, I'm getting better and I'm working my way through the book the the, the Berkeley Purple book. book of death Purple, Purple book of death. And I don't know I just I think that I, I like I'm getting it and I can I can understand what I'm doing and I'm you know giving it maybe 15, 20 minutes a day and can work my way through the, the exercises are the perfect size that you know you can you can go back to them or you can fit one in if you only have time for one a day, you will still get something out of it right really well thought out but i'm i'm just thinking like at the end of the day what's what's the maybe we can devote maybe um a topic to this but what's the point of really like i'm not a classical guitar player and i don't plan to you know with 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 tab and with you know the the nashville the, the chart system like where is the the use in in learning how to sight read these days if you're like what would the big purpose of sight reading be for
1: guitars i i think it kind of depends it's it, as a matter of fact Joe Satriani did a when his latest album came out he did a live streaming interview and so okay. he submitted questions and somebody asked him essentially the same question he said these days you don't need it necessarily and mm-hmm. then he, he kind of he he sort of he added a caveat on there but he was like depending on what you want to do you don't necessarily need it um i think for me I I still... You're, enjoy a guy, hmm? You're a classical guy, though. You're a classical guy, though. You've been sight reading for years. Yeah, but honestly, my sight reading's not that great. Not compared mm. to a lot of other classical players. Yeah. But I'm... I, in fact, over Christmas, I, I played a gig with a piano player, and I got, you know, piano charts with melodies, and he was like, play that melody. So... Wow. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's those, those the tab? situations where it was like, yeah, you know, I can follow the chord chart fine, but or he he had his chord parts written out, you know, and okay. what that meant is I would have to look at the chart and be like, okay, where can I fit in these chord harmonies that he's playing, knowing full well mm-hmm. that he's probably going to step all over whatever I'm playing anyway. But mm-hmm. at the same time, <laughs> it it was it was a good experience because it. It allowed me to see things like okay this is this is the line that i'm supposed to play play the line so there's depending upon what you're doing there's a situation for it i think it's good to be able to have the ability to write out whatever it is that you need to in notation to see that's a good point structure yeah of everything either that you're composing or maybe you're working with other musicians and you can just say hey this is what we need to play this is where it is. Play it like that's whatever. So that's a good uh, point. I never uh, thought about that. Yeah, and I think this, so. I think the sight reading, it can help too in terms of thinking about improv, particularly that book, because that book just has a bunch of it. You know, you've seen it so far. You're just essentially playing arpeggios for most of it. <laughs> yeah, but it's good because it's it's it's
0: you're you're seeing where the notes are, and yeah, I I, I don't know, I, I I do like it. One of my favorite things about the whole experience of learning sight reading. Was well, like learning the first, you know, for the first couple of weeks was just, uh, you know, being able to see progress and, you know, being able to see like at the end of the week, oh, I can play a song now because there's like, you know, song exercises to do. But the thing is, I think what's really important about setting a goal is, for example, you know, like I also want to learn like get the funk out as well, but I can see that there's a that is improving technique and stuff that I want to learn. While sight reading, I'm just I think it's important to to take a step back when you're setting a goal and like, what am I gonna get out of this? And I'm like, how is this going to make me a better player? Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna put the sight reading on the back burner for a little bit. I might do it when I return to Ireland
1: when I'm, you know, finished traveling. But
0: yeah, I just wanted to kind of bounce that off here. Of but John, what have you been listening to?
1: Oh, I see. Uh, um I have been listening to so last week I mentioned I w- I went back in time, sort of like to yes, so 70s, 70s, no, (laughs) and this week we had our, uh, over at our studio at Silver Sound, we had our drum teacher put together a blog post for us about drums, and the first thing he kind of kicked off with was listening to Neil Pert when his dad first, like the first time he heard Rush. And it was Moving Pictures and Opens, Moving Pictures Opens with Tom Sawyer, you know? Yeah. And I was like, you know, it's been a long time since I've listened to that. So I've kind of, I've camped out a bit with that record this week. And I've been reminded about why that is a classic rock record, you know? And it's it's pretty fitting as well. I mean, they've, they've,
0: they just announced that they're finished this week, didn't they?
1: Yeah, they did. They did. Neil Pert is, I guess Neil Pert said he was retiring and the rest of the band was like, yeah, we're not writing music, so we're done. Which is crazy. You know, it's 40 years now that they've been doing this. And, and I think they had sort of announced that it was probably going to be their farewell. Everyone sort of knew this last tour was going to be their farewell tour. Mm. But I think that's, it's, it's an, an impressive career, an amazing back catalog of stuff. I think that record in particular just stands out as as a really great, really great example of all of their musicianship of good songwriting in that genre. Anyway, the melodies are good. The vocal work is complex. It's it's a bit (laughs) proggy. Yeah. Yeah. It's still proggy, but it's, I mean, Tom Sawyer's real pop tune. In fact, they kind of hated playing it for a lot of years because it was so pop essentially. But yeah, anyway, that's more, more Prague, slowly working my way through the decades of Prague. There, there you go. Probably not. I'll have something completely different next week. I promise. Promise. Anyway. That's okay. Well, speaking <laughs> of you? farewell tours. What have you been listening to?
0: Speaking, so I've been doing my album a day thing on Instagram yep. and it's been going, been going well. And uh, the important thing is on, on every Sunday, I give myself, you know, it's, 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 Know, five or six albums to listen to during the week and i try to listen to them all at least twice and so my favorite one my favorite new album that i discovered this week was a by a guy named jeff rosenstock who i'm familiar with before uh you know i was previously familiar with and um, he's like a pop punk guy but he writes these like massive opuses of like you know he has an album that came out in 2016 called worry which is essentially every song bleeds into the next one so it's kind of like one massive song but it's all like it's like green day with credibility a little bit <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's really good um he's he's got a new album out called post which i really really enjoy and also speaking of farewell tours i had to put some slayer in my ears this week when they announced that they uh yeah isn't they're... it <laughs> oh,
1: yeah yeah, yeah well, got yep,
0: yep, yep, die, what, in twenty. Yeah, Jeff died in, what, 2013, and, yeah. you know, Dave Lombardo isn't with them anymore. So, you know, but if they come, like, they played Cork, like, two years ago. So, uh, if, if they're back, I got it. Got also, they're touring with Lamb of God. So, uh, I I need to need to catch some of that if they come. But, cool. yeah, apart from that, yeah, apart from that, guitar-wise, just kind of not a lot of stuff, mostly kind of singer-songwriter stuff. Astro Weeks as well. Like, I finally got around to listening to Astro Weeks after all these years. It's wow. beautiful. Yeah, I know. I was I was more of a I was raised in a house of moon dance. This last weeks so was never a big thing. But yeah, check it out if you haven't already. Like yeah. Cool. Indubitably. Yes. So John, um, we've got a lot of great things coming up. We've got uh, Ariel Posen is our next guest. He should be up in a couple of weeks. Uh we have you know a new logo that should be good to go in the next week or two. And yeah, um, please keep liking and subscribing our stuff. We really do appreciate it. Um, let us know if you'd like an Instagram account, people, because we're thinking of doing it. Um, and, you know, even though it would mean more work for us. So if you're not
1: serious about it, please. Yeah. yeah. on so, oh, Instagram account. Yeah, like having a of a that's, that's it. I don't know what that might look like, but...
0: Yeah, also, like, if you want to show us, send us stuff that you've been working on, like, I think that'd be a really cool thing for the show, is if, you know, guests send in, like, their riff a day thing. Or, like, if, you know, I'm sorry, listeners send in their riff a day. Sort of thing and we can like hey check out this guy he's been learning this and like this or whatever and um, but yeah we're totally open to new ideas uh thank you very much for for listening to us this far i'm kind of rambling now um it's okay. you... pardon i said it's okay that's that's what we do we all run as long as it's about guitars that's all right and not prog and uh, Pause for dramatic What, what am I going to do with you? What, what are you th- going to do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, John, I'll see you next week. Friends, uh, be good and stay sharp.